Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cutrera Show for Thursday, December the 24th. Coming up on the program, we're going to talk about KFC's latest offering. Is their game console for real? We'll discuss with our tech expert, Adam Oldfield. We're also going to touch on some other tech stories that caught my eye. But first, let's start off with one of my favorite guests. Uh, Alan Cross from the Ongoing History of New Music and the incredible blog, if you have not started to subscribe to it, uh, a journal of musical things.ca is definitely worth your time. Alan, you know, I said yesterday to uh, Glenn, this is my last show of the year. Someone just corrected me. Kelly, this is your last show of the decade, maybe live because we're going to be doing some re-roll. Um, over the holidays and, you know, to the new year. But Alan, I, I, I said immediately to Glenn, please get Alan on because we need to talk about what kind of a year this was. <laughs> Whoa, do you, do you need reminding? <laughs> but for, you know, you and I are, we're music nerds. We're incredibly passionate about music. We, we love our musicians and we're not alone, but it's been an incredibly trying year for musicians. Can you just... Um, maybe give us an idea of some of the things that caught your eye when it comes to musicians trying to get creative and stay alive during this pandemic. Well, let's begin with the people that we lost. Uh, we lost uh, Leslie West of Mountain last night. Uh, Mountain yeah. was a really big proto-heavy metal band this from the late 19th. 19- That's them. So he had been sick for a while. He died of a cardiac arrest last night. We uh, began the year by losing Neil Peart, which was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, then later on, Eddie Van Halen finally succumbed to cancer. So those are the you know three big music deaths that I think of right off the top of my head. There were more, but yeah. uh, those are the three big ones just uh, just off the top of my head. Like I said, well, Charlie Pride too. Oh, Charlie Pride! Yeah. Oh, my Huge. grandmother loved Charlie Pride. Oh, she would Granny. if she were around, she would be absolutely devastated by this. And he died of COVID nineteen complications yeah. from COVID nineteen. And they're not sure if it happened at the Country Music Awards, but no. you know, I have to say, whether it happened there or not absolutely appalling that they didn't demand that he stay home. He was in his 80s. Yeah. And now there are so many concerts that have been happening this year without proper protections. We had the big motorcycle rally in Sturgis, South Dakota, which is responsible for maybe a quarter million cases. Uh, there was uh, this, this weirdo band called Steel Panther who had three shows in Florida just this week with no PPE of, 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 of any kind. So, you know, there's still a bunch of dummies out there who who, mm-hmm. who don't want to you know, look at the, the reality of, of COVID-19. And I'm going to throw Eric Clapton and John, uh, Van Morrison into that, too, because they released a terrible song called Stand and Deliver, which is uh, an anti-lockdown song. And I don't understand why you would want to do that, especially since, you know, Van's from, from Ireland, uh, Eric's British, the, the, the whole UK is it. They basically canceled Christmas because things are down that uh, are so bad there with the new variant of the COVID-19 virus uh like what are you doing yeah you idiots I know you know I will say this as an Irish citizen Alan uh Van Morrison though is is from the south in Ireland I'm my mom's from the north of Ireland so it's considered the UK but I managed to get the citizenship um anyways and and Van Morrison um southern Ireland Dublin and the surrounding areas Ireland locked down really tightly and they got it to a place where they're doing okay over the holidays, actually. We don't hear too much about no. Ireland struggling like they do across the Irish Sea in England. Yeah. So And, and yeah. Northern Ireland. They're really, you know, you, I have a, my best buddy lives in Dublin still. And she talks about how freaked out they are of people from Northern Ireland possibly crossing that border easily and bringing things down to them. And they were worried about the flights coming in from the UK. That's stopped now. But still, the UK is just across the border. It's in yeah. the same landmass, right? It's it's on the island, so. Yeah. 
What else yeah. did we have this year? Uh, oh, everybody got into live streams because mm-hmm. you could not tour. Uh, a lot of musicians ended up on unemployment. I know a number of Canadian musicians who were surviving only uh, on their radio airplay royalty checks. Uh, you know, so much money comes from from live, from playing live, and you know the critical summer months, especially in this country. And you know, they're they're suffering. Not only the musicians, but their crews, their bands, their uh, you know their managers, their you know everybody associated with uh, live music. People who rent sound and lighting gear, um, roadies, uh, you know, people who collect the tickets at the door. You know, bartenders and and waitresses and waiters and you know it's. It's once you lock down, once you shut down the touring music business, you affected. There was a knock-on effect for many, 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 many different layers all the way down, mm-hmm. and it has been absolutely terrible. Some artists have managed to figure out live streams. Uh, there are a few like Dua Lipa and a, and a couple of others who you know have sold thousands of tickets online. BTS is another example, sold thousands of tickets online, and they they made some good money. But for most musicians, it's small live stream events where they may make a couple of hundred bucks. Uh, but that's better than nothing. And they're just, they're not making the money from, from music streaming services. And we saw one of the biggest artists of all time, Bob Dylan, sell off his whole music library. How shocked were you at that story? Well, pretty much because Bob has a 60 year, a 60 year old catalog with some of the most iconic rock songs of all time. Uh, this is a trend that's happening right now. We have about four or five companies that are buying up song catalogs. Uh, he sold his to Universal Music Group, uh, but there are others like Primary Wave and Concord and Hypnosis that are doing the same thing. This is a new trend, especially for older artists, with a few exceptions. Uh, they want their money up front. So the idea is pay me, you know, 80 million, 100 million, Bob Dylan's case, case 400 million, pay me that money up front, and then it's up to you catalog purchasing company to exploit my music to add value to my music so you make your money back over however many years now so they're selling out uh (laughs) i think this is more like estate planning if you're stevie nixon you're 70 years you're 70 years old and uh you want to make sure that you are well cared for in a very uncertain times for the rest of your life you sell off your music uh, your music rights to somebody and you get a chunk of money up front and And you use that if I can just interrupt or interject, Steve, if you're Stevie Nicks, uh, you're pretty happy about TikTok and that, that cranberry skateboarding guy who made you a lot of money this year. Well, that's that's right. I mean, Fleetwood Mac ended up in the top 10 for the first time in 42 years because of that guy with the with the cranberry juice. It's, um, you know, it's it's... It's, it's been a weird year. We can talk about TikTok. And, and the a number of artists who broke on TikTok and now have major label record deals is growing by the day. Oh, is so that tic- why I don't know who the heck anybody is anymore? This is what's happening. The record labels are using TikTok as a farm team. They're using it as A&R scouts. And if something gets, you know, gains traction on TikTok and becomes organically huge, well, you're going to investigate that. So you can bet that every record label has a bunch of interns sitting at computers, looking at TikTok videos, trying to figure out which ones are signable. Are they? Do you think that are also populating TikTok with the music that, like, oh, yes. music from their old back catalog that they can use? If you go, for example, into the liner notes, the the mm-hmm. official record company liner notes of the ACDC album Power Up, you'll find that there is one song in there that has a thirty second chunk already carved out of it for TikToks, just for TikTok, and everybody wow. wants to 
everybody wants to make sure that their music is available to all these kids who are finding these songs somehow. I mean, there's so many artists. I mean, um, Matthew Wilder had a song back in 1983 called Break My Stride. It was a hit for a little while and then disappeared, like you know songs do. But then it came back on TikTok this year, and now Matthew Wilder's looking at his mailbox, and these checks are coming in and going, what? Huh? Uh, Mother Mother, another band from Canada. Uh, for, yeah. you know, they had a, uh, an album up in 2008, and the three songs from that album have somehow ended up being used by LGBTQ-type uh, videos for reasons that they don't understand. But they're it's not complaining. so amazing. It yeah, is. windfall. I mean, it's total windfall. So basically, TikTok is taking on the role of your your cool uncle, introducing you to music that you may never come across, and uh, and then it's your uh, job to pass it on. Or or that guy who used to stand in smoky bars waiting for the next band to come on to see if they were worth any worth worth signing. Right, I stayed away from that guy. Yeah, you know, it's slightly it's, creepy. It, so so technology has really moved with you mm -hmm. know the Zoom. With Zoom and TikTok and uh, what else? You know, Instagram has blown up again. Um, Facebook now has live stream videos on their site. It's um, it's it's been a, a a very what has happened here is that the pandemic and the restrictions it caused has forced people to accelerate their uh, adoption of technology. Mm -hmm. Alan, if you're a, an, an artist, and I know this doesn't always happen, but if you're a musician that doesn't uh, like their private lives out there, do you have a place right now in the music industry? Because it seems as though you have to bear it all. You have to kind of, you know, show it warts and all. Is well, there any room for mystery? Uh, you know, that's a bigger discussion. I remember when I was growing up, we didn't get to see our favorite artists on TV because they rarely appeared on TV. All we could get, all we could glean was what the guy on the radio told us, what we read about in the magazines, what we saw on the record labels, uh, on the on the record covers. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's every artist needs apparently to be an open book now, so there is no mystery, and uh, that I think diminishes things just a little bit. I always find that it's amazing that uh, Jack White manages to keep his mystery intact, though he has his fingers and everything. Can you just uh, wrap up by talking about the White Stripes dropping a 90-minute Yule Log video this week? Well, what they did is release a Greatest Hits album, which kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody was really expecting it, but that's great. I mean, nice mm -hmm. to have all those White Stripes record songs in one place. And uh, just the other day, they released an animated Yule Log uh, video, which are very popular at this time. Uh, I, I don't quite understand what the... Is that a tiger or a lion in front yeah, of the fireplace? Yeah, it seems to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you put it on, you get the uh, uh, selections from the Greatest Hits record, which is kind of neat. Now, Jack White, you bring up an excellent point about Jack White. I have managed to interview, interview him just once in the last 21 years. Once. Right. Because he... And he is just... He's just he doesn't... He, he understands... Uh, the balance. The need, Yeah, the need to keep something away from the audience so that we uh, that that mystery is preserved he's a he's a student of music history and marketing and uh he's got it he he's he's got it figured out he, we don't know who he is we don't know much about him uh, all we know is that he keeps putting up this these really cool things like the yule log thing or some things that come out of his third man record store it's it's really cool good for jack yeah Adam Oldfield, our 640 Toronto tech expert. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. And, you know, I, I thought immediately, like Alan Cross, I thought, let's get Adam on and talk tech. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Kelly. It's been a very, very exciting year. I can say that every time I get on the show with you. I, I get so excited when I talk tech with you. 
I know you do. And that's what I love about you. I think other people uh, feel that passion and also become very interested because you're so passionate about what you're talking about. Can we start off with a story? I think most of us at the beginning of the pandemic wouldn't know what a Zoom was. Like it, it was basically an adjective, Zoom. Now it's a it's a noun, you, you know, and, and there's so many other ways to use Zoom. Zoom has had a great year because of the pandemic. They're one of the businesses that actually flourished during the pandemic. Their stock price increased more than 500%. And word is, we're hearing, they may la- launch an email service and calendar app to compete with Google and Microsoft. Why would, the do- why would they do this? And is this a good idea? Uh, yes, th- those are two great questions. First of all, is it a good idea? No. Uh, and if I was sitting around the boardroom with my Zoom uh, executive board, I'd be like, what are we doing here, gentlemen? I mean, this doesn't seem to make sense. But uh, I'm sure that many are feeling like their grass is getting cut because Google and Microsoft, they really felt it uh, when Zoom came out. I mean, when Zoom's only been around since 2013, really been out actively providing this video service. So when it, you know, when the whole crisis hit, Zoom was one of the leaders during COVID that said, we're going to open our platform, a free video conferencing platform that was easy for people to jump on. And as you indicated, the noun, uh, I think it's now uh, in- increased with multiple new Wikipedia words, uh, Zoom bombing, uh, Zoom chat. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, it's now become the platform that the others, Google and Microsoft, are fighting for. So um, them coming out with a calendar and an email, I think, is a really, really bad direction. They've got a lot of money in the bank, but uh, that's areas that Google and Microsoft have done very, very well with. And then same time, um, Microsoft has really leaked uh, with Teams, which is their video conferencing program. So Zoom's still leading it, but but Microsoft is right behind it. And I don't think Zoom going into a territory Microsoft has had since 1998 is going to solve their financial problems. Okay, so Zoom's looking at Microsoft uh, and Google's territory. KFC's looking at Xbox. And what's the other big gaming console? Uh, PS, PS Station, PlayStation, I think you're okay. referring to. Okay. Yeah. And so KFC, I just ran this ad for KFC's cons- uh, console. It's a gaming console and it has a chicken warmer in it. Um, this is for real, right? It is for real. It was, a, it was originally thought of as a joke back in April. And I, when I first saw it, I, I kind of chuckled and I thought, oh, look at that. It's an Elon Musk coming out with something to kind of kind of rise some fun and humor in the social media world. However, it was officially announced that the KF console is a real thing. And not only is it real, Kelly, anyone who's a gamer, this is a serious console that's going to uh, improve, if anything, from a gaming side of things. It's got 4K video, a, a boatload of, of, of RAM, a, a, an unbelievable processor. I mean, chicken aside, it, it looks like a bucket of chicken, uh, but I mean, it's probably tastier than ever in the in regards to what it could do um and it's really innovative when you think about it because many people probably sitting at home they can have their uh deliveries during the fact they can't go out and since we're just gonna play games and kind of like blow the time away for 28 days in a lockdown why not have your chicken warm while you're playing your video game it doesn't come with any wipes or anything else because i'm willing to bet there's going to be some greasy fingerprints all over the the game console uh, when it's all said and done I was saying that too. You can't, you cannot eat Kentucky Fried Chicken without some residue left on your fingers. I want to ask, I think we should describe what the, the console looks like because when you say it looks like a bucket of chicken, that's slightly misleading only because, uh, I think of a bucket of chicken. I think of the white and the red and white bucket of chicken. This is actually pretty sleek looking. Like it would appeal to a gamer because it's black. 
uh, and red. And I guess the warming, the chicken, what is it called? The chicken uh, container, the chicken area. I know I'm wrong on that. I, the, my chicken terminology is the chicken actually sits. Yeah, the chicken warmer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at first when I saw this, I, I actually thought this is there's no chicken heating components in this. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean it, it's very sleek. In fact, it reminds me of an Apple product that came out when they came out with the Cube. Apple came yeah. out with a, with a desktop Cube, super powerful computer system. Um, and, and yes, I mean shape wise, it's intended to kind of resemble the shape of uh, kind of like slender, like a bucket. But no, it's not like paper with white stripes and the kernel smiling on the side of it. By any it's wee beady uh, eyes. It's got more of a kind of a cool feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it just speaks volumes to where, you know, we're seeing that many companies are, are kind of transitioning from their industry, like chicken sales and, uh, you know, uh, moving into the game consoles. Um, it's Again, it tells me that they know their audience and that's their target they're going after. I mean, the PS6 pizza box is going to be phenomenal when it comes out or if it's going <laughs> to come out in the future. I mean, who knows where this could go? Hey, uh, I just found out the terminology, the correct terminology, because, you know, I'm not their audience. It's a chicken chamber. How great is that? Chicken chamber. Chicken chamber. I just, at the risk of sounding even more out of touch than I do now, uh, with roughly half a billion people reportedly playing Among Us last month, it earned the distinction of having the most monthly players for a mobile game ever. Beats out Pokemon Go. Remember when everybody was walking around with their phones around your neighborhood? Can you tell us what the heck Among Us is? Yeah, I can. And it's only because my two daughters always talk about it. Whenever I'm with them, I, I got an 18-year-old and, and I got a 12-year-old. And let me tell you, that's the conversation we have in the car is who's going to be the imposter? And I thought at first, what are you talking about, girls? And uh, I'm not, you know, in tech, what I do is I always speak with, uh, uh, you know, kind of business related. But this one even caught my attention based on their passion for and simplicity of it. It's not like earth-crushing graphics, like you're going to be, uh, you know, opening your eyes going, wow, this is amazing. Um, it's a very simple game. Uh, it's almost like a board game, but it's mobile-driven. It's free to download on your mobile device. And, I mean, you're right. The numbers speak volumes at half a million, uh, 500 million, sorry, uh, users in, in, in a matter of usage. That just is mind-blowing when you compare it to other game consoles or, uh, I would say, time killers. If you're going to be doing this, like Candy Crush users, yes, there's a game that's more addictive than that. Uh, and it's probably going to increase or gain momentum uh, in, the, in the coming year because January is obviously going to be a little bit of a time where where can we reflect, play something, interact, and kind of collect with your friends and colleagues. Um, and, um, and again, it's like taking place on a spacecraft. You look like a little alien. You've got a little uh, kind of eyepiece on it. Um, and one person is desi- – it's like Clue. Uh, do you remember the game, board game? Of course Clue? I remember the Clue, Clue game. It's yeah. Colonel Mustard in the library with the lead pipe. That's right. This is exactly what it is. And I remember playing as a kid, thinking when they were showing me the game, I'm thinking to myself, this is Clue. Like, it's not, the premise behind it is very much the same. So there's uh, one to two imposters. You can play it online. And I can see how it became so addictive and fun. Um, and you more or less walk around a spacecraft as aliens, so to speak, trying to determine who is the imposter and who's going to stab a knife in your back and call it a day. And then the others in the group mm. get to announce or pick who they think is the imposter or the killer, if you will. 
Okay, so I heard this company only has four employees. That is roughly 125 million players per person who works on the game. That's incredible. It really is. And it doesn't surprise me because, again, the game itself is very, very straightforward. Um, there doesn't take a lot of programming to go into this. And this is something I think, Kelly, we're going to see moving forward is there's a lot of uh, – it doesn't require a team of two people to make simple games um and again there's billions out there to go with or choose to, uh, online whether it's apple or android but uh one comment that bill gates made way way back in the 80s was uh mobile devices and cloud gaming is going to be one of the biggest uh, uh investments that companies are going to need to consider and this is evident by that so uh for employees developing a game like this and with that many users uh, all they need is a very strong processor, a capable uh, cloud server that can handle that volume of individuals playing. Um, and really, the game kind of does its own thing. So from what I heard, they're going to invest in it, which uh, tries to trying to make it even better, um, which I'm wondering what that could be or what kind mm -hmm. of elements that could include. But, yeah, it doesn't take that much when you think about it to develop a game these days. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Always appreciate your time. Listen, we'll be off for the holidays until January 4th. And until then, have a very safe holiday season. Talk to you in the new year. Cheers.